You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much again for this, another opportunity to study your word, to look to you, Father, to receive from you, to be fed, to be taught. Father, we thank you that the word of God is alive, that it's not just a book, that it's, it's filled with life, it's filled with the breath of God, that you have anointed it. And Father, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit tonight. Jesus said he promised us that he would be our teacher, that he would be the revelator, that he would reveal truth to us. And so we expect to receive tonight. We expect to be taught. And Father, we thank you that as we do receive light and revelation, that we'll always be mindful to be doers of it and not just hearers only. Father, we believe to receive every good thing that you have in store for us, and we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you want to turn in your Bibles to, uh, what was that, Brenda was late with her amen? (laughs) Uh, No, that was was Gail. Oh, was that Gail? Okay, all right. (laughs) Sorry, Brenda. All right, I I want y'all, I'm going to spend a couple of minutes reviewing, but I want you to turn to Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, and um, then I'm going to meet you there in just a few moments. Uh, But we've been, of course, this is week number five in in talking about uh, faith. We've been doing a refresher course on faith, and and we've talked about a lot of material in the last five weeks over the things that we, you know, why we need to study faith, why we are looking so intently at faith, how faith is received, how do how does God get faith over to us, all of those different things. And the couple of things that I want to touch on tonight is that we've been looking at the two um two means of confession, and we're going to go into more detail in this later uh, in our lessons, but excuse me, we've been talking about the confession unto faith, how you speak the word of God in order to build the word in your spirit, to get it down on the inside of your heart. And then uh, towards the end of our lesson last week, we began talking about the confession of faith, and um, we talked about how once you get the word down into your heart, and faith arises in your heart as that word is revealed to you that you can pray or you can speak the word of God and receive the results from it. You know, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Paul wrote and said, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we believe with our hearts, and we say with our mouths, and that's how we are able to release and to get our faith to begin to work for us. Um, We um, spent some time talking about uh, the heart and mouth connection. The, The whole key of all of this, or a big key of all of this, is to get your mouth in line with what you believe in your heart. And instead of talking about uh, the negative circumstances, what might be uh, going on, <clears throat> excuse me, around you that is contrary to the word, 
No, get the word down in your heart and then begin to speak the word out of your mouth and make that connection. When you get your heart and your mouth connected, that's when you're going to begin to receive the results. Then we, as we uh, began to wrap up last week, we talked about why does speaking the word work? Well, the bottom line is this, that the word is the truth. And uh, there is no higher truth than the word of God. It is absolutely the truth because it's God's word. It's what he spoke. And it's and uh, there is nothing stronger than his word. Uh, matter of fact, the Lord said in, in the book of Psalms that he's exalted his word even above his name. So he, he places a high priority on his word. And so that when we begin to speak the word, the truth of God's word has the supernatural ability built on the inside of it through the power of God to be able to change natural circumstances. And we talked about how the reason for that is because the natural was created out of and by the word of God. So therefore, the, the natural realm is subject to the word of God. And so when you and I begin to speak the word of God, the natural circumstances must begin to change. They must begin to come in line with what the word of God has declared. And so you're there. If, if you found Romans chapter four and verse 17, I want us to look at this for just a moment uh, this is giving us, uh, Paul tells us, this is how God operates. And, and that it is this, Romans 4, 17 says this, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who calls, or excuse me, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Um, the Amplified Bible says this, he speaks of non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. I like the New English translation. It says this, <clears throat> that God who makes the dead alive and summons the things that do not yet exist as though they already do. So God's method of operation is this, is that when he sees or knows something that needs to be changed. He begins to speak to it. He begins to declare what his word says. And when he begins to, begins to do that, the way that he does it is he calls those things which do not exist as though they already do. Now, I want to just draw a, a little differentiation here so that you begin to understand. Because uh, uh, you know, probably not so much, but early on, uh, many, many years ago, when people first started getting a hold of the word of faith, um, what we did is we took this scripture and we basically tried to call those things which are as though they are not. And that is not what this scripture says. For instance, let me give you an example. <clears throat> if you're dealing with physical uh, symptoms in your body. Let's say you have a headache. Well, for you to go around declaring, now you know what the Bible says. The Bible says that that uh, by his stripes you are healed. 
But if you go around declaring, I do not have a headache, that is not what you should be declaring. Because actually, that's a lie. And really, that is not what God does. See, what God does is if, if he's dealing with a situation, so let's say you have a headache, what you need to be declaring is, I'm not moved by how I feel in my body. The word of God declares that by his stripes, I am healed. Headaches cannot stay in my body because I am the healed of the Lord. All right. So there's a big difference in calling those things which be not as though they were and calling those things which are as though they are not. Okay. And we, you know, missed it a little bit and we just need to, uh, needed to tweak some things, but uh, this is what God does. So if you think about it for a moment, go back with me and just in your mind to the book of Genesis and Genesis chapter one, and the Bible says that it was darkness was everywhere. And so what did God do when he wanted to change the circumstances? Well, he spoke something. What did he say? Well, he didn't deny that the darkness was there. He didn't say, uh, you know, I, I just, there is no darkness. There is no darkness. There is no darkness. That's not how he changed it. What he did is he spoke what the desired result needs to be. And because it's his word, it has the power and the ability, and it changed the natural circumstance. You know, what if God had stepped out and said something to this effect? Boy, it sure is dark out here. Well, guess what? Darkness would still be passing on, still be perpetuating. And so, no, what he did is he began to address what he wanted the end result to be, and he spoke it as if it already was. Okay, so I wanted to uh, just mention that. Now, let's talk for just a moment. Go over with me to Mark, the 11th chapter, and I want us to talk about releasing our faith. How do we put our faith to work for us, which is what God wants us to do? This is the privilege that we have to be able to operate and to function the way that God functions. So I want us to go to Mark, the 11th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 22 through 26, and Jesus gives us two applications here of how to release our faith. And, and I want to take some time, and I really want to drill down on these a little bit so that we begin to understand them. Of course, if you're familiar with what's going on here in Mark chapter 11, Jesus uh, has cursed the fig tree. Uh, the disciples are going, he and the disciples are going in and out of Jerusalem every day. They're going into town and then going out of town to spend the night. They go back into town in the morning. And so he cursed the fig tree. And then 24 hours later, Peter and the rest of the disciples noticed that the fig tree had withered from the roots. And so Peter brought it to his attention. Well, in verse 22, Jesus, uh, it says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, or as, as my margin says, have the faith of God, or one translation says, have the God kind of faith. So he's getting ready to tell us how the faith of God operates. So here's verse 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea 
and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That's application of faith application number one. Number two is found in verse 24 when he says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And then let me go ahead and just read verses 25 and 26. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So all of that is connected. We'll talk more about the love uh, part of, of the faith life later on in future lessons. But let's drill down a little bit in verses 23 and 24. So there are two applications of releasing your faith here. So application number one is found in verse 23, uh, where we release our faith through what we say in speaking to the mountain. Okay. The second application is releasing, this is found in verse 24, is releasing our faith using what we call the prayer of faith. Now, what, what we have a tendency to do is, and, and I didn't understand this for a, a, a while, and finally the Lord got this across to me, is we have kind of crossed both of these and um, tried to maybe commingle them a little bit, and, and they're actually two different things that you need to understand the difference between the two. So let's look at what he says in verse 23. So Jesus, again, let me read it, the verse, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So verse 23, Jesus tells us this, if we speak to the mountain, now the mountain is representative of, of some type of uh, test, trial. It could be an obstacle, something that's in your way. Um, but Jesus says, whoever says to the mountain, so you speak to the mountain. Notice he doesn't say anything about praying about your mountain. Matter of fact, prayer is not even mentioned in verse 23. So here's what I want you to understand is you can release your faith without praying by saying something. Okay. So you can put your faith to work by using your words on purpose and speaking something without necessarily having to pray about that situation. Okay. So let's look at again, drill down. Jesus said, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And we talked about this in, in a couple of weeks ago, but in does not doubt in his heart. So again, he's talking about the doubt that comes into your head. Don't let it get down into your heart. But I want us to pay close, close attention, pay real good attention to the details of what he tells you to believe in this verse. Okay. So he says, to believe that those things that you say will be done, all right? If you will do that, you will have whatever you say, all right? Now, why am I being so particular in that? Because notice Jesus did not say 
to be in this in verse 23 to believe that you already have what you say. Okay, let me say that again. Jesus tells us to believe that what we say will come to pass. He did not say to believe that what you said has already come to pass. Okay, big difference. Uh, in other words, when you speak to the mountain, you know, like he says, mountain be removed and be cast into the sea. What Jesus says your faith needs to be based on in verse 23 is that my words, what I just spoke, shall come to pass. It shall take place. Now, I want you to hear just a little bit of difference. There's just a, a little bit of difference between this and verse 24. In other words, when I declare and I speak to the mountain and I release my faith that way, what Jesus says I am to believe is that my words shall come to pass. That I, uh, that, that, well, you looking at the New King James, that those things that I say will be done. So when I speak to the mountain, even though that mountain might not look like it's going anywhere, I believe that what I say will take place. It will be done. It shall come to pass. All right. Are you tracking with me so far? Okay. Yes. All right. Now, let's look at the difference between this and what Jesus tells us to believe in verse 24. So Jesus then says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray. Oh, so now he's talking about praying. Now you do have to say something when you pray, but he's talking about in prayer. So praying the prayer of faith. So what are we supposed to believe, Jesus, in verse 24? Believe that you receive them. So what Jesus is saying in verse 24 is, when I pray the prayer of faith, I am to believe that I have the answer at the time that I pray. Okay, let me say that again. Jesus said, the way I release my faith when I'm praying the prayer of faith is to believe that I have received the answer at the time that I pray. Okay. Now what we have done is we've taken that rule, if you will, and we've applied it to verse 23. And that's not what Jesus said to believe in verse 23. I, I, I'm really hammering on this because I want us to get this. So what Jesus did, think about this, when he spoke to the fig tree. Now uh, we know by just reading the entire chapter there were no immediate visible results uh, on the fig tree when Jesus cursed it. Nothing changed, or else you know the disciples would have pointed it out. You know, if he'd have said, no man shall eat fruit of you hereafter forever, and all of a sudden the thing just went and died, you know Peter, I mean, bless his heart, Peter, as bold as he is, I mean, he would have said something right then. But notice that we don't have any record that anything changed 
at the moment that Jesus said those words. And so he just kept going and he went about his business. So what was going on in Jesus' heart and with his faith at that moment? Well, what he was believing is that what he said will come to pass. It will take place. It will, using the King James, the New King James, that what he said will be done. In other words, my words are working on that situation. Even though I don't see the manifestation of it yet, I will see the manifestation of it because my words, you know, Jesus spoke, it was the word made flesh, but, but the same thing is true for us. When you speak the word of God to that situation, what we are to believe is that I, what I say comes to pass. Okay. Now the prayer of faith is a little different. So when I go to the Father and I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I have need of something, whatever it might be. And so I'm praying the prayer of faith right now. And so, Father, based on what Jesus said in Mark 11, 24, I believe that I receive the answer right now when I pray. And so from this point on, when I pray the prayer of faith, I believe by faith I have the answer. Okay, now let's again look at the difference. The difference is when I speak to the mountain, I'm believing that what I say will come to pass. When I pray the prayer of faith, I'm believing that I have the answer at the time that I pray. Okay, are you tracking with me? Yes, All right. sir. Okay, now let's... um. Let's look at an example. You're there in Mark 11. Back up a few pages to Mark, the fifth chapter. And let's look at someone who, besides Jesus, who released their faith by the words that they spoke, okay? And they received what it was that they said. So go to Mark 5, Mark, the fifth chapter, and look at verse 24. So we have Jesus, uh, he's encountered by, by Jairus. Jairus asked him to come to his house to heal his daughter. And so they're on the way to the house in verse 24, chapter 5. So it says, so Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, Mark records this, but I'm, I'm going to reverse the order of this just so you can kind of see this, Okay. Or, or, or just change it and how it works. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus. So apparently this woman heard something about Jesus that would satisfy or would address her physical situation. So I can imagine, we don't have record of it, but I can imagine that maybe she heard 
something about the miracles, the healing miracles that he was performing uh, there and, and ministering to people and people were being healed and so forth. It, it could be that she heard that. Um, you know, if you want to make a note of Malachi chapter four and verse two, you know, because study, several years ago when I was studying this, I, I, I was praying and I was asking the Lord, Lord, why did she set out to touch the hem of your garment? Why did she, uh, uh, why did she have that? What, what was it about, what did she know about touching the hem of your garment that uh, just skimming over the surface, you're not going to see, okay? Well, uh, if you know Malachi, the book, of Mal the book of Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament that preceded the 400 years of silence before Jesus was born, okay? And there's a scripture in the book of Malachi that is very, very interesting. It says this, but to you, Malachi 4.2, but to you who fear my name, the Son, and Son is capitalized, of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. And so I, I, when I saw this, I was like, well, okay, I understand that. So I had to do a little bit of research. When I do dove into the Hebrew language, when you look at the Hebrew, the word wings there was a figure of speech that they would use in the Hebrew language that meant the edge or uh, a part of someone's garment, okay? It didn't literally mean like angel wings. It meant that he would rise with healing in the hem of his garment is what the Hebrew people heard. And so I can imagine maybe the rabbis were talking about this or had been talking about this. And, uh, you know, because, and, and this surprised me as well, put your, uh, your finger there in Mark 5 and go over with me to Mark chapter 6 and verses 54, uh, Mark 6, verse 54. So it says here, now this is in a different place, okay, from where this woman with the issue of blood is. But in Mark chapter six and verse 54, it says, and when they came, they, Jesus and the disciples came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him and they ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds. Those who heard uh, those who were sick to wherever they heard he was verse 56, wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that, notice this, that they might just touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made well. Mm -hmm. So there was something that was a buzz, okay, about touching the hem of Jesus' garment. So I personally believe that what this woman heard about Jesus was that not only was he a healer, but maybe the word was getting out that the Messiah, when he showed up, uh, would, would come with healing. Uh, and if you could get to him and touch the hem of his garment, you could receive healing. You know, I don't know, but uh, I'm teaching, so it's my story. So anyway, praise the Lord. 
<laughs> All right. So you're there. Go back to Mark 5. Okay. So verse 27. So when she heard about Jesus, so somebody tell me, how does faith arise? How does it arise in your heart? Hearing the word. comes by hearing the word of God. So if you're a sick person, as she is with an issue of blood, and you need healing, and you find out that Jesus is coming your way, and he is a healer, uh, and he's anointed by God to heal people, then if you heard that, then faith, well, it's going to start with hope, but then it, it, you'll mix it with faith. And then notice what happened. It says in verse 29, or excuse me, verse 28, for she said, now this happened in between uh, the hearing and the receiving. She said, if, I, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. The old King James says, I shall be made whole. Okay. Now, what's interesting about this is notice that she spoke and she declared what she wanted the end result to be. Okay. So she said, so she heard about Jesus and then she said something. If I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. And then it says in the latter part of verse uh, 27, she acted on what she heard and believed and what she said. And so it says she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got to understand something. It was illegal for her to be in public. She was considered unclean with this bleeding condition that she had. And technically, if she had gotten caught in that condition, uh, I mean, technically, the religious leaders could have stoned her to death according to what the law dictated, okay? So she took great risk in pressing her way to get to Jesus, but I want you to see the progression here. She heard about Jesus, faith arose in her heart, she spoke and declared what she wanted the end result to be, and then she put corresponding actions with what she had believed and declared. So let's see what happened. It says in verse 29, immediately, so the moment she touched his garment, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. So uh, I, want, I want you to pay attention to this. Now, again, the King James says, the old King James, for she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Okay, now pay close attention. What do I always say? Pay attention to the details. Okay. All right. So what is she believing for? She is believing to not just be healed, but to be made whole. Okay. Big difference. All right. So Jesus in verse 30, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now, I would venture to say, you know, I may be wrong, but I would venture to say he probably had an idea who, who touched him. And it wasn't so much who touched him, because as we're going to see in just a second, uh, there were a lot of people touching him, but only one person touched him. Okay. So there's a difference between rubbing elbows with Jesus 
and touching Jesus. Okay. You know, a lot of times we pray and we say, Lord, I, I, I pray that you would just touch me in this situation. No, why don't you do something and touch him? Okay. So anyway, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. So here's what she did. She told him the whole story about how she had been to 12 or been with this for 12 years. She'd been to all kinds of physicians and so forth. You know how we know that she told him that? Because Mark was standing right there and heard it and, and wrote it down made a record of it later, okay? So, uh, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. The new King James says, the old King James says, daughter, your faith has made you whole, whole. If you want to make a note in your Bible, uh, the word there is whole, okay? What is it? And notice this. Jesus didn't say, my power made you whole. Daughter, it was my power. It was the anointing that was on my life that made you whole. No, what he showed her, of course it was the power of God that healed her, but what he showed her, what released the power of God, the healing power of God into her body was her faith. Okay. Now I want to say something and I, I, I want you to remember this. The Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of God, who is the power of God manifest in a person, he is everywhere at the same time in every, I mean, everywhere at the same time. Okay. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent and he's omnipotent. He's all powerful. And what I want us to see is that there, the healing power of God is present everywhere that the Holy spirit is present. Mm -hmm. So what this tells me is this woman got to where the, the healing power of God was and she was able to appropriate and receive her healing with her faith drawing upon that power. What am I saying to you? Is And, and Jesus uh, made this statement to Brother Hagin one time in one of the visions that, that Brother Hagin had, and that is this, is that there is enough healing power in every sick room, in every hospital room to get every single person healed if they only know how to draw upon that power. Okay. All right. So what I want you to see is notice what Jesus said again in verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Now, again, what was, what did she release her faith for? Not just healing, but she released her faith to be made whole, okay? So Jesus tells her, go in peace and be, the old King James says, be whole of your affliction. 
Now, the word peace there in, in the New Testament is, is the Greek derivative of the Old Testament word shalom, okay? So if you know anything about the word shalom, what shalom means is this, nothing missing, nothing broken, everything as God intended for it to be, okay? Matter of fact, when if you're in Israel and you greet someone, they will say shalom to you. They're, they're pronouncing and wishing that peace upon you, that wholeness upon you. So what am I saying? Is Jesus said that her faith released not only the healing power of God into her life to heal that condition, but also to make her life whole. So I want you to think about this with, with me for just a moment. So her story was she had had this for 12 years. So I can just imagine, okay, that maybe, uh, and again, according to Jewish law, she's considered unclean. So I want you to think about this. She would have had to have been quarantined or isolated from other people. So what that means is any relationships that she had, she, she, she lost those because she had to be separate from other people. Uh, you know, it, it, she, she spent all that she had with all of those doctors. And, I, you know, I don't know if you know anything about medicine in that day, but it was cruel. I mean, you know, so much so that if, if they thought, like, for instance, with her, the way that they would have dealt with a, a condition of blood is they would have cut you and made you bleed more because they thought your blood was bad. So they would try and bleed you. And, and you know, just, just things like that. Thank God for medical technology today. But my point is this, Jesus made sure that she got what she released her faith for. And what she released her faith for was to not only be made healed, but to be made whole of everything she had lost as a result of that disease. So I believe that she had relationships come back into her life. I believe that the Lord provided for her to recover financially what she lost, paying all those physicians and all of that. So my point is this, that she heard faith came. She heard about Jesus. She declared and said what she wanted to receive, and then she acted on it. Okay. Now we don't have record one time where she prayed about her healing. No, she heard about Jesus. She released her faith by saying what she desired. And then she acted on it and, and made contact with the healing power of God. And it moved in her life and produced and caused her life to be made healed and whole in Jesus name. Now, Let's talk for a moment about, go back over to Mark 11. Let's talk about releasing your faith through prayer, okay? So again, when I speak to the mountain, what I am to believe is that what I say will come to pass. What I say will take place. That uh, he said he believes that those things he says will be done, okay? In verse 24, when I pray, I release my faith in my prayer, 
and I believe that I receive the answer at the moment that I pray. So when I say, Lord, I'm releasing my faith right now, and I'm praying for whatever it is that I'm praying for, I believe that I receive it right now in Jesus' name, and as far as I'm concerned, I have the answer. It's mine, okay? Now, that is a different application of faith than what we read in Mark eleven twenty three. So what I want to do is I want to give you some things. You know, I'm all about super practical. So I want to give you some things about, and I got these from Brother Hagen, about how to pray the prayer of faith, how to pray the prayer that brings results, how to pray the prayer of faith, okay? So seven steps, all right? So here's number one. Here's number one. How do I pray the prayer of faith? How do I pray to get results? Here's number one. Decide what you want or need from God and get the scripture that definitely promises you those things. Okay, decide what it is. So if, if you need healing in your body, go to the word. Find out what the word says about healing in your body. By the way, a little shameless plug here. I'm going to begin a healing series at church Sunday. The, the, the Lord has dealt with me to start that Sunday, so we're going to begin that. So anyway, I can tell you're excited about that. Praise the Lord. Decide what you want or need from God and get the scripture. Find out what the Bible says about your situation. Okay, your prayer, the prayer of faith has to be based on the word of God. Okay, now why? Because your prayer cannot go beyond your faith. Now, here's what I, what I want us to understand here. You know, now I don't know for you, but you know deep down in your heart what you have a capacity to believe for. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, Hey, pastor, I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to believe God for $10 million. Okay? Well, you might pray that, but I doubt you're going to receive it because you probably don't have faith for $10 million. Not if you don't know how to believe God for a pair of socks. Mm -hmm. Okay? Why? Because you need to start with sock faith or, or gas money faith or light bill faith or, or, or you got to start with where you are is what I'm trying to get us to see. And a lot of times we stretch ourselves and, and we're, we're trying to operate uh, based on, uh, you know, where our faith is not. And, you know, as I have told you, your faith has to be developed. It has to grow, has to be fed. And the way that it grows and is developed is by you feeding it and exercising it. So that's why, you know, I learned this a long time ago, back when I was in Bible school, to begin to, to start to believe God for small things, you know, and just start with the small things of where your faith is, okay? Because um, here's what you need to understand. You cannot pray beyond your faith, and you cannot have faith beyond the word that you know and have in your heart. Let me say that again. You cannot pray beyond your faith, and you cannot have faith beyond the word that you know and have in your heart. Now, what happens is sometimes, you know, 
we hear uh, about these great men of God, you know, my one of my spiritual fathers, you know, Brother Copeland, prayed and believed God for a jet, okay, for the ministry. They needed, a, a, you know, a new, new airplane. Well, I can't get excited for him and say, well, you know what, if Brother Copeland can do that, I can do that too. Well, you know, you haven't been at this 60 years like Brother Copeland has, and he has worked his way up over the years. I forget how many airplanes he's given away. And, you know, my point is this, you probably don't have Gulfstream faith to believe God for a Gulfstream, uh, you know, unless you've been working all along to build your way up to that. Now, I'm not saying you can't get there, but you can't do it just because you see somebody else do it. Okay. So I, I want to be very, very clear about that. So, because uh, what happens is, is people try for things like that and they miss it and don't receive and they get disappointed. And, and therefore then, you know, they, they throw, start to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, and just throw the whole thing out the window. And so you can't do that. So you cannot pray beyond your faith and you cannot have faith beyond the word that you know and have in your heart. Go over to John's gospel, the book of John chapter 15, please. John chapter 15, and look at verse 7. John 15 and verse 7. John 15 and verse 7. And Jesus said this. We know it's Jesus because it's in red. <laughs> All right. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, what we, we sometimes we try and do is the latter part of that verse without doing the first part of that verse. So what is the first part? It's conditional. What is the first part? Well, number one, I have to abide in him. What does abide mean? Abide means make your home at or in, okay? So I need to make my home in him. In other words, Jesus and I have more than a casual relationship. Jesus is not just my Sunday go to meet in Jesus, okay? He is my 24-7, 365 Jesus, and I live with him, I abide with <laughs> him, and then he says, and my words abide in you. So what does that mean? That means I have to let the word of God take up residence in me. Again, it's more than a casual relationship with God's word. It's where my life and the word of God become so intertwined with each other. They're so intermingled with each other. Uh, you know, forgive me for saying it this way, but the truth of the matter is that what God's desire is, is that when he, when you look at our lives, when you look at my life, you ought not be able to tell where I begin and the word of God ends or where the word of God begins and I end because my life is so intermingled with the word of God. That's what Jesus is saying. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. 
So a lot of times our prayer faith isn't working because we, we have not taken the time to get or allow the Word of God to take up residence in us. We don't have it living in us, okay? And, and again, if you are brutally honest with yourself, you know where your faith level is. And um, start there and begin to get the Word of God on the inside of you. Have an intimate relationship with the Word. You know, in John chapter 8, where Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, that word know there is a Greek idiom that means an intimate relationship with. See, it's not a casual relationship with the truth that will cause you to be set free. It's an intimate relationship with the truth of God's word that'll cause your life to be set free. Now, God has attached himself to, to the word of God. So when you are spending time in the word, when you're getting the word down on the inside of you, you're actually getting God down on the inside of you. Okay. John chapter one, verses one through three. If you want to just write this down in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. So the God and his word are one. Now, why is this so important? Well, turn over to 1 Timothy with me. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Am I helping anybody tonight? Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Why do you have to have the word in your heart in order to release your faith? Two reasons. Number one, time, okay, T-I-M-E, and number two, a fight, F-I-G-H-T. Okay, what do I mean? Well, how many of you know that sometimes between the time you say amen and when that manifestation shows up, it, there's a little bit of time in there, okay? And how many of you know, I can say this from experience, that sometimes when there is a lot of time that transpires between amen and when the manifestation shows up, we have a tendency to begin to waver a little bit, okay? All right? It's just human nature. So. Uh, so that's time. Then you need to understand that when you pray and release your faith, you have an adversary that does not want you to receive the answer to your prayer. Why? Because first of all, it's an affront to him when, when you can receive from heaven. And plus, he wants to make you doubt your faith in God and doubt the word of God and and to, to not put your confidence in God. He wants to make God look bad, in other words, okay? So what does Paul tell Timothy to do in 1 Timothy 6, 12? Notice what he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. But my point is this, 
there is going to be a fight. And if you don't have the word in your heart, you have nothing to fight with. Okay. So it's very important that you're getting the word down in your heart. And um, the as time progresses, man, you stay with the word, stay with the word. And when it still looks like it hasn't, uh, you know, that it, it's not going to happen, that the answer is not going to show up, stay with the word. And then when, when the opposition shows up, uh, you know, I like the way Paul told him, uh, told Timothy, he said, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. You know, the way that I interpret lay hold of is this, it, it's where I grab a hold of it and I refuse to let go. I refuse to let that thing slip out of my hands. Okay. All right. Now let's cover one more point and then we'll pick up here next week. All right. So again, as we've already said, ask God for the things you want or desire and believe that you have them. So once you know what the word says about that situation and, and listen, always take time. If you can take time to, to study and meditate and get that word in your heart before you pray. If you have time. Now, sometimes we don't have time. Sometimes it's urgent situations and we've got to pray at that moment. But if you have time and 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 can really be disciplined about it, spend time in the word, get the word in your heart, and then pray on purpose. Now, here's something that um that I started doing at the prompting of the Lord, and, and that is this: I keep a journal of when I pray for stuff. And when I pray and believe God for things, and I, 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 I find the scriptures on it, I write it down, I prayed this, blah, blah, whatever it was, I date it, and sometimes I put the time down, but I date it, and, and then set it aside. And then, of course, we'll talk more about what you do in the meantime, as far as praising God and thanking Him for the answer. But the reason that the Lord taught me to do that was it has helped me so many times to be able to go through that journal and flip back, and I can see the times that God has shown up and answered prayers over and over and over again because I took the time to make a record of it. And when I mean, when the answer shows up, go back into that journal, put the date when the answer shows up, and then you've got it right there. Because, I mean, if you think about it, y'all, that's what the Old Testament, a lot of it is where you know they made records of how God moved in certain situations so that they would could go back and they could refer to it. They didn't have a Bible. They they were living the Bible, all right? So what we have to do is is pray, release your faith, write it down. I encourage you to write it down and then as the answer shows up, then um, write that down, put the date and everything and then move on to the next thing. I I'll just give you a, a little example uh, of two things that I prayed about just in my personal life, uh, you know, for the longest time, and I'm, you know, kind of embarrassed to say this, but for the longest time, uh, being a, a an adult man, I, I slept on a twin bed for years. I mean, for pretty much all of my life from when I was a kid, not, not the same bed, but, you know, I just didn't have anything bigger. And um, so, um, uh, I, I said, you know what? I'm just going to pray and I'm going to believe God for, for a, a queen size bed. And so uh, I did. 
I, I prayed about it, wrote it down in my journal and uh, wrote the date that um, I prayed about it. And um, so, oh, I would say within a year of praying over that, uh, somebody gave me a beautiful uh, queen bed frame, headboard, footboard, whole nine yards, okay? And so I got it, I received it, put it in my bedroom and uh, continued to sleep on my twin bed. Because as you know, you can't sleep on a bed frame, all right? You got to have a mattress and box springs and all that other kind of stuff. So uh, so I just continued thanking God for the rest of my, my, my bed stuff. And so uh, wasn't a few months later, and uh, the Lord provided a brand new queen mattress and box springs, uh, got linens for it. So I have in my bedroom now a full queen bed. I have two nightstands, uh, matching nightstands, and, and uh, all of that. So what, what, what's my point? My point is this is that I, I wanted to use my faith. Now, I could have gone to rooms to go and gotten financing till 2036, okay, and, you know, no payments, no interest, whatever. All right, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to use my faith and to believe God. All right, I'll share this one other thing, and then we'll stop. Um, for years, I mean, all of my adult life, especially up until the point uh, you know, when flat screen televisions came out, uh, up until 2021, I had a regular old, big old 27 inch, heavy as can be, one of those big old televisions, you know, that, that stands three feet from the wall because it's so deep. You know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. the old school televisions, okay? And there was nothing wrong with it. I, I, you know, I was thankful for it and all of that and appreciated it. But I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe God for a, a flat screen television. And so I, I released my faith, put it in my my journal and prayed over that. That took a little bit longer. That was actually before I started uh when I released my faith for the bed. And so uh it that took a little bit longer, but make a long story short, ended up receiving a 55 inch flat screen television, uh, have it sitting in my living room and actually got the uh, console thing that it sits on. Uh, and so the Lord provided all of that. So what, what's my point? My point is this, is that use learn to use your faith on purpose. And, and that's how you develop your faith. That's how you begin to build your faith. Now, there have been other things that I've done. Somebody says, well, that, you know, those things sound awfully selfish. And, and I agree. They were both for me. Okay. But there's been other things that I believe God for. By the way, you know, I pastor a church and I use my faith for the church all the time. Okay. So that's not for me. But what I want you to see is, is that start where you are, begin to release your faith, pray, believe that you receive the answer. And then, and we'll talk more about this, uh, and just continue to thank God for the answer. And I promise you, God is faithful, and you will receive the answers to your prayers. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. 
If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.